If I had given myself six months to build this, I think I would have chickened out. I would have gone, this is too much for me, I'm freaking out, I can't do it. Whereas because the time was so condensed, I didn't have a minute in my day where I could question what I was doing. So I think it just meant get it done and then worry about it later. Hi, and welcome to the Vegan Women Collective podcast. I'm your host, Rachel LaMarche, and I'm the director of the Vegan Women Collective, an organization that highlights and supports the activism and entrepreneurship of vegan women through panels, workshops, and this hopefully interesting, inspiring, and informative podcast. For this episode, I spoke with the wonderful Linda Wetterlake from Nina, the Australian online retail website dedicated to fashionistas with a kind heart, and where you can find trendy shoes, accessories, as well as cosmetics and hair products that are both cruelty-free and high quality. Linda and I spoke about her entrepreneurial journey, how she decided to follow her true passion when she created the website three years ago, and how she's become a renowned speaker in the space of cruelty-free fashion. Now, before we get to the interview, we have two events coming up in Melbourne in June. Uh, the first one is part of the Specialist Workshop series and is an afternoon workshop on vegan health and nutrition with the vegan and accredited practicing dietitian as well as accredited nutritionist Ebony McCorkle on Saturday, June 1st. And we are having this crazy two-for-one discount that's running until this Sunday, May 19th, where you can get two tickets for the price of a single regular ticket. So that means that for the price of a regular ticket, you can get two tickets and just come with a friend and share the cost. And basically, we just want to make it more accessible uh, because we do believe that knowledge around veganism and nutrition is really, really important. To purchase tickets, you can head to either our website, which is veganwomencollective.com, or head to our Instagram page, which is at veganwomencollective. The second event is a panel and networking session focusing specifically on branding and design, and that's taking place on the evening of Thursday, the 27th of June. Tickets for this one are about to be released, and they will also be on our website as well as our Instagram. On that note, I hope you enjoy this conversation with entrepreneur Linda Wetterlake from the website nina.com.au. Let's start the show. So welcome, Linda, to the Thank podcast. You. Thank you very much. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your journey into veganism. So my journey towards veganism started quite a while ago. I started a vegetarian diet when I was about six And then I turned vegan about, probably about seven years ago now. But me turning vegan then is very different to the definition I would give myself as vegan now. Okay. I didn't eat animal products, but I wore a lot of animal products. I wore a lot of leather, the shoes, the handbags, everything. So over the last probably five years, I've really kind of cleared out my wardrobe and really followed a vegan lifestyle. And so what prompted you to go and start having a vegan or vegetarian diet at six? Um, well, we always had chooks growing up and, you know, we had a bit of space at one of my parents' house where there was cows and there's sheep, there's everything around us and just making that connection between what we're eating and what we're playing with in the day. And it just really triggered me to, to think about it. And my parents were so supportive. My sister was vegetarian as well, but just to have the support behind, like from my parents being able to cook us meals and everything, that, yeah, that helped the journey along as well. That's great. And so 
was your sister did your sister grow vegetarian first or was it you no it's definitely my sister she um she's very strong-minded and she's very good at kind of getting evidence together and coming up with a really good kind of solution for things and she was a big part of the education I received on becoming vegetarian and then on veganism because she went vegan first as well but I've been asked about my vegan journey a lot over the last maybe year and I feel like I skim over it now because to me it's nothing but I forget that people don't know you know how you become vegan and what triggers you and yeah yeah there was just so many things and I think looking into the dairy industry for what it really is that was it for me that was the point where I just went enough's enough I'm doing a half-assed job (laughs) for for what I consider to be a half-assed job um it's time to just no yeah go for it go for it and so you grew up in country New South Wales? New South Wales, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. so well, I grew up in Albury. And how was it basically being a vegetarian even just in that environment? <laughs> Where I grew up is um, a town of dairy farmers and everyone eats steak. So going out for dinner, it was chips and salad while everyone ate kind of a, what would be considered a regular meal. Um, so I didn't eat out a lot. And then home, mum would just cook. But now when I go home, there's so many vegan options. There's so many veggie options. People always tell me about, you know, how they're moving towards a vegan diet. It's just changed so much. Yeah, the movement's grown so exponentially. Even it when, blows my mind. Yeah. Even in the last, like, five, six years, it's really kind of just jumped. Skyrocketed. Even yeah. amongst my mother and my mum's friends. My mum's pretty much gone vegan now. It's... Like, I feel like that generation is really pro-dairy, you know, and especially where I come from. But now they're all cooking vegan and I get the updates on the new cake that they've created, the new That's recipes. So fun. It's just, it's exciting to see people are becoming so much more open-minded. And I understand it's, it might not be for everybody at this point in time, but to know that people are learning what it is and what it takes to be a vegan, it, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. When you went vegan, how old were you? Uh, 20. So were you already living by yourself or? Yes, yeah, okay. I was. So you were living in Melbourne. I was living in Melbourne. Yeah, which made it easier, I think. And so what was your journey then into going from what you perceived to be vegan then, which was ultimately like a plant-based diet, <laughs> to having a more ethical Street, lifestyle yeah. or just kind of going through that, that process? I, I didn't go vegan overnight. Yeah. I was actually really, really bad for the first few months. It was, oh, there's a bit of dairy milk in the fridge. I'll just have one piece. It, it doesn't matter. It's one piece. Oh, my pizza came with cheese on it. I'll just eat it. Um, and then about three months in, you know, I was like, again, like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it properly. I know how amazing I feel when I do it properly. And then someone raised the issue with me. You're wearing leather shoes, but you're really vocal vegan. Like, it doesn't add up. And it was like I needed that person for the penny to drop. I had no idea. I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about my wardrobe. I didn't think about my shoes. I literally just saw what was on my plate and that was it. So basically you saw that there was a need or how in regards to that, once you've made Mm -hmm. that switch, how did it come about that you decided, okay, well now I'm going to launch my own website with my own own products and everything. Yeah, that came, that came years later because I, I was looking for handbags and I kept getting gifted for my birthday and Christmas, like these amazing vegan leather handbags, but they came from America and they took forever to post and the shipping was ridiculous. And I, was, I went from 
buying beautiful shoes that I love so much to buying whatever I could find that was vegan, which probably wasn't comfortable. It was not breathable. And then I was in a, an advertising job and I, I didn't love it. I really didn't love where I was. And I knew I had so much passion inside of me and I was doing nothing to kind of go towards that passion. So I quit my job. My mum was cursing me for this. I quit my job with nothing to go to. Yep. And then I came up with the idea of Nina, which originally was just a hub for vegan skincare and cosmetics. Okay. Nothing with handbags or shoes. And then about a year into um, to having Nina up and running, I thought, I don't know. Like, I love skincare and beauty. I really love it. But fashion, handbags, shoes is, is my everything. It's always been so important to me. And there's so many brands that people don't have access to that that's what I've got to do. And it was literally like I clicked my fingers and the whole it business happened. had changed. <laughs> and I kind of caught my breath and went, oh, God, what have I done? But that's – it sounds so simple. And, yes, it went over a long period of time, but I feel like as the sole business owner, yeah. I can kind of follow my passions and where my heart is and just kind of go, you know what, this is what my business needs now. This is what it had and I appreciate what it had, but now it's time to, you know, get things like handbags and shoes on board. When you when you decided, even originally when you were just doing cosmetics and skincare, mm-hmm. how did you go about just launching your business? How yeah. did that kind of come about for you? I think because I had I had a lot of passion, but I also had no job. I had yeah. no job I was going back to over the summer and I kind of just went into autopilot and went, you know, into survival mode because yeah. this is what I had to do. It wasn't going to finish my summer holidays and go back into my corporate job. Like, this was it. Yeah. So I think I think when you put everything on the line, knowing that you don't have... Something to go back to. A saving grace, yeah. yeah. Then you're usually fine. I think your instincts are so powerful that you're always looked after. Yeah, so, but now I look back at it, I just go, oh, my God, if I had... Because I did it very quickly... It was a very, very quick. How long did it take you? Um, probably six weeks. Okay, fantastic. Six weeks. <laughs> um, and I think if I had taken, if I had given myself six months to build this, I think I would have chickened out. I would have gone, this is too much for me. I'm freaking out. I can't do it. Okay. Whereas because the time was so condensed, I didn't have a minute in my day where I could question what I was doing. So I think it just meant get it done and then worry about it later, you know? And I think that saved me. So did you code the whole website yourself originally or did you have someone help you out? Um, or? I did the website myself, but it was on a website. Developing yeah. platform. <laughs> I'm not IT. I'm not tech savvy at all. So yeah, but yeah, I did that. So it was good. Still now, you still updated all yourself yeah. and everything. That's mm-hmm. great because your website yeah. looks fantastic. So Thank you, you. If you had told me that's what I was going to do, yeah. I would say no way, absolutely not. I can hardly work my iPhone, let alone... <laughs> figuring out a website but again I think it's survival you just do it and also if you feel that some people are kind of like judging you or perceive that you're not going to be able to do it you just kind of want to prove them wrong that gives you the biggest fire in your belly yeah and it's I think as well knowing that you're going to to help people you're knowing that you're going to be able to answer people's questions just from one website because I remember when I was in my corporate job I had a friend text me and say I really need a fake tan, but I want it to be vegan. Can you recommend something? And I was like, why Why don't people know which one to buy? Yeah. But then it was just so selfish of me to think that because I'd done the research, they hadn't. Why can't I just 
pretty much give it to people on a platter. Yeah. And then they'll buy vegan products and they won't have to do the research. Exactly. Which I think is what I what still happens with Nina. It's like we do the research for you. You just know everything here is vegan. You're fine to buy everything there. In regards to doing that research, did you just go with brands that were fully vegan accredited and that just made it simpler or No. I I didn't do that because I wanted to kind of show people that although a whole brand isn't vegan, you can still find really good things in within a brand that are vegan. Okay. And if we as consumers can buy the vegan products within a brand that isn't vegan, it'll send a message to them to be like, oh, okay, the vegan market is growing. Yeah. Let's get more products. Um, and I know some people didn't like that uh, we were supporting brands that weren't vegan, but I just I saw it a different way. And that's how I wanted my business to be. Is that still the case even in regards to the cosmetics and the skincare and the bags and the shoes? Bags and shoes, no. Everything is all vegan. All the brands are vegan. Um, cosmetics and skincare, we're not carrying that much anymore. But what we are carrying, there are still some brands with non-vegan products. Um, obviously, no animal testing. That's a big no-no. Like, won't have a bar of that. But I know some brands have products with, like, goat's milk or whatever. But obviously, we won't touch them. Yep. But just, yeah, all the leather products is all vegan brands. And so that knowledge that you built, mm-hmm. how did you go about? Was it just like a passion that mm. you were just yeah. like, I need to learn everything there is about totally. cosmetics and then about skincare yeah. and now about leathers and things like that? Absolutely. And I think the leathers came more naturally to me because I, I did love buying shoes. I did love buying handbags. You know, I'm always on Pinterest. And to show people that what you're carrying can send such a strong message whether it's an animal hide or vegan leather, you either way you're sending a message. And just to show people that you can have great products without, you know, the cruelty. Sounds like an absolute walking billboard, but it's it, your voice through fashion is so powerful. Yeah. And people don't realize that. Um, I've heard you speak at mm-hmm. events and you're really eloquent about what comes into the leather industry and things like that. So Yeah. Did you perceive that you needed to basically be really well-versed into why all of those things were wrong? Like all of the, that mm-hmm. element of the fashion industry and the leather. Did you feel the need to kind of go and get all of that knowledge so that you would yeah. be a better advocate for the products that you sell? I think I needed to get the knowledge because I'm vegan for animal rights. Um, Ethical vegan. Absolutely. And I think there are different views from different vegans. I mean, you're environmentalists and, you know, it's just the environment is so important to me, but my animals come first. So I needed to get knowledge on, you know, things like the environment and how it's actually affecting people as well because that, whenever I say this, it sounds horrible. It's like that wasn't where my passion was and where my research was. Yeah. But then when I started to look into it, it, I got really angry because it's like, not only are you killing these beautiful animals for no reason, you are really, really harming the people who are working in these tanneries. You're harming their families. You're harming the communities. And you're killing the environment that these people in third world countries are struggling to even get fresh water. Yeah. And because we as the Western world want leather and tanned there, you know it's killing their waterways and they're using those waterways to also water their crops yeah so they're eating these chemicals and i just think 
for me... It's a form of terrorism. It's awful. And I was so unaware. I, I always knew like, animals were treated so poorly. But to know that people like you and I and environments which could be similar to Australia had we not developed the way we, are, yeah. we have, if they're just suffering and they can't get out of this little hole because we keep buying leather. Yeah, because we destroy... And they're reliant on our market as and well. they're reliant. It's, it's awful because then that's the money they get for food, but then their f- food is contaminated by these chemicals like used to tan leather. It just... For me, it was such a domino effect that I thought no matter which way you look at the vegan lifestyle, vegan diet, whether you come from, you know, the animal side or the environmentalist side, there is a reason to not wear leather anymore. Yeah. It's a reason to make it obsolete because we don't need it. Yeah. And there's just so many new options or alternatives. Absolutely. With the Pinatex and even the Apple leather. So Mm -hmm. um, do you carry any products that have like new innovative fabrics or? Well, we will have um, Ahimsa Collective. So that's the Pinatex. Yep, great. Um, that is the kind of only brand that we will have with this new... Innovative, new, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that new kind of product. One of our brands, JW Pay, uses 50% recycled plastic as their product. Fantastic. And they have a business goal within five years to make it 100% recycled plastic. Oh, so good. And then we've got Matt and Nat, who does your hometown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, their lining's recycled plastic bottles. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's different options for the different kind of vegan. What's also super interesting with that is it's rare to kind of see brands that sell a leather product that would have that add-on of like also use recycled plastic bottles as our inside. It's like it's there's yeah. just none of that. It's almost like a complete fuck you to the environment. They just don't don't care. There's just mm. no caring. It's just about the look and the style. So what's kind of like your mission statement at Nina? It's for the fashion forward with a kind heart. But it's, it's also for the people who haven't realised they've got a kind heart yet. Okay. It's for the people who have been taught that leather is what they need, it's durable, it's quality, it's better for the environment. It's for those people as well. Yeah. I never, ever wanted Nina to be a website just for vegans because vegans already know. Vegans already kind of know that, you know, they should steer clear of animal leather but it's the non-vegans who I just feel it's my duty to educate and give them all they need to change their wardrobe and what's on their plate and do you feel like in regards to how you're selling the most of your products that Mm -hmm. you're being successful in that way that most of the people that purchase from you are actually not vegans or not yet um well I'm not too sure to be honest if the people who purchase from Nina are vegan or not but I know even from social media and they always say it's the ones who don't say anything who are always taking notice yeah and just the people who will reach out to me and be like hey I just saw this vegan leather product I thought you'd like to know and you just think those people probably wouldn't have even known what vegan leather was before Nina so it's just seeing little bits like that that go okay we're doing okay we're doing the right thing and it is is making small waves and so what do you see for the business to grow so now how long have you had nina nina will be coming up to three years in march okay cool how do you see the growth of the website kind of going it's going really really well it's um it's still really enjoyable it is really really hard i find you know it's because it's like you're not just 
selling any kind of product you really got to spend the time on educating people and you know getting a lot of kickback from people about why they're not buying vegan but um i think it's it's really going to start taking off soon it's just like the food it's only going to grow yeah and the range is only going to grow and hopefully you can get more of a physical space whether it be a pop-up or a store soon because they'd really love for people to be able to touch and feel the product and to see how similar it is to maybe the leather bag that they're wearing do you just first see kind of keeping growing the ranges that mm-hmm. you already have yeah. or do you want to get more stuff in as well or expand into different areas of of products or um i would probably just kind of um expand into more brands just okay. give people more options mm-hmm. because we are <laughs> being in australia we just don't have access to everything so i'd really like to give people the option to have access to everything 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 from the states from Europe. So the range will probably just grow, but we'll stick to handbags, shoes and cosmetics. From a personal perspective, mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur into the vegan environment, how do you see the support of the vegan community? Do you feel that like the, com- the community is really supportive towards what you do and, and your brand and your product? Um, I love the vegan community. I, I really do. I've been a part of it for quite a while now. I don't feel like there's a huge amount of support. I feel as though if it's not perfect, you can get attacked for it, Okay. if that makes sense. Um, But I think as people get familiar with you, familiar with you as a person, as a brand, and they get comfortable with you, it gets a bit easier. And I think it's, it's such a new space bringing in like vegan leather products. Yeah that people may have never heard of the brand before. Like, is it really vegan? Is the glue they use vegan? You know, is it made? You know, which is fine. It's just a trust thing, I think. Are people attacking you because you use PU or sell PVC and stuff like that? How did you know? I don't know, just wild guess. (laughs) Yeah, we do get that a fair bit. But again, just to reiterate that I am vegan for the animals. Yeah. I do everything that I can for the environment. I know that... It's not perfect. But for me, if I can get people off animal leather into something vegan, then that's what I'm going to do. And I get even from your perspective, like you're very sustainable. You're, I would say you're an environmentalist at heart. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yes. And I I I totally understand that you would look at some of the products and go. I wasn't a judgment call in that sense. It was more the question that I know that there's some pushback from the community. It wasn't like a personal. No, no, no. But just from your vision, because your vision is quite different to my vision because we come from, you know, different stance. I can totally relate to and understand why you would see it like that and why people do see it like that. But for me, trying to avoid leather for so long, I, I just wanted another option and yep. an option that I know would last as well. Um, and while we kind of wait for the technology to kind of catch up, then yeah. I think we just do what we can with what we've got. I mean, I know they've got mushroom leather coming. There's leather made from the Apples. grapes from yep. the vineyard yep. in Italy. Like it's, it's unbelievable what's coming. However, I also don't want people to invest big dollars in a product that I don't even know is going to last, you know, because I feel like that's more harmful for the environment as well. So, no, that's true. Take. And I think that, you know, you sharing the fact that originally it was hard and you were buying stuff that you didn't like, I think that's super relatable mm. for vegans. Like yeah. a lot of people go through a phase where they're just like, well, now I want to phase out all of these things and all these products, but I 
gonna have to go to Kmart and buy <laughs> super cheap boots, and they that barely are last, last like a week. Yeah, they yeah. barely last a, mm-hmm. a season or a summer, yeah. and then. And then you have to, like, you can't even have them repaired. You mm-hmm. can't have anything changed on them. You can't have them resold. Yeah. Or alternatively, you're buying a pair that's, like, $1,000 yeah. from, like, your Stella McCartney. So there was just, there's no middle ground. You know, yeah. Cheapies or, you know, things that aren't accessible to people. And it's, you know, it's also unfair for people to just expect the market to be, to grow at the rate that they are mm-hmm. growing. So. Yeah change is coming but the fashion industry despite its super fast turnover is actually an industry that takes a lot of time to change absolutely because there's so much that goes into a pair of shoes or a bag or even the textiles that you know is used to do these products and these like this was all created years before we even see the product like a, a year or so and then so we're already behind and we know what's coming next is the same. So to change, to kind of turn that wheel, it just takes time. Yeah, it's it kind of slowly. Time. Yeah. Incremental yeah. changes. Absolutely. I see that you're carrying Matt and Nat shoes now. Yes. Is that, was, did you always want to kind of follow the fact that they were also going into shoes? Did you start with bags with them or? Uh, no, I just got them all. You all got everything. Once. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it all to me. Um, no, I've always loved their brand. Yeah. I've always loved how durable the product is, what they stand for, and their shoes are so comfortable. Aren't they? They are so comfortable. So it was just a no-brainer. I had to have the shoes. So are you based out of your house still? No. No, you have a, you have a warehouse yeah. now? I've got a warehouse now. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is... It's really, really good. I didn't realise how much of an effect like living and working in the same environment would have it's really quite difficult so to have that extra space now that you know you can lock up at the end of the day go home and home's kind of relaxing time it's just made a world of difference how far along in your in the process of the website would you say in regards to you know breaking even the whole idea behind the podcast is also to give an idea to people to people that it's not the entrepreneurial journey can be really long and it can be very difficult Mm -hmm. but also it can be super rewarding so it's not trying to paint the picture of Mm -hmm. ah everything's perfect and everything it's always fantastic and it's always been amazing and it will remain amazing until the Mm -hmm. day i die what are the, the biggest challenges that you've met in the elaboration of the website and having your own business? Yeah. Well, I, I still work another job. If I'm going to be completely transparent, I still work another job just part-time, a um, couple of days a week. I could dive into Nina full-time. However, that would mean that Nina doesn't grow as quickly as it does. And my mission was to always get as many vegan products as I can available to Australians. So I'm going to hold off diving in for as long as I can if it means that the business will grow. Um, but, in, yeah, it's, it's not an easy journey. It, it's been really, really challenging. I have learned a lot, yes, but I don't think it's as glamorous as people think, starting a business. Um, you do, you know, you can work from all hours of the morning to all hours of the night. You actually could never stop. But if it's something you're passionate about, then it's kind of your hobby and your work in one. So it can be great, but it, it is really hard. 
there's just so much being put on entrepreneurial journeys. Yeah. It's like it's really being put on a, a pedestal a little bit in the yes. last few years. There's yeah. really been a huge influx of start your own business and you should start <laughs> your own business and follow yeah. your own path and your own journey. Yeah. But also it is really hard. It's yeah. really hard. And so I think it's good to also be transparent about the fact that it can be really difficult, but it's if you're passionate about it, you will keep, you know, putting the energy that you need to put into it. And, and I never want to tell people not to start your own business. It's the best thing I've ever done. It, it really is. But you need to be prepared to work hard. You need to be prepared to sacrifice things. And you need to be prepared that, you know, if you, when you wake up in three years' time, you you might probably still be growing. You know, you probably are still growing and it may take five to 10 years to really kind of cement yourself in there. So especially our generation, we all want a quick fix, whether it's, you know, anything. We can apply that to anything. It's business isn't a quick fix. Some people, you know, they're the overnight sensation, but it's not really overnight. It never is. So start your own business. Absolutely. You've got the freedom to work for yourself, but work hard. You've got to. What is the best advice that you've ever been given that's helped you with your business? Mm-hmm. And what advice would you give to others? I mean, it could even be personal advice, like yeah. the best advice that you've received and that you would give to someone. I think my brain is very business-minded. So the best thing that has probably resonated with me the most, and it's only probably come up in the last year, is um, I don't even know where I got this information from. God, I probably made it up. But... I feel like no matter what industry you're in, you may not be the best at it. Your business may not be the best. You may not be the best at your job. But if you stick it out, if you ride the wave, it's the ones who survive who end up winning, I think. The ones who can stick out the hardships, the ones who will still be working at 2 a.m., knowing that, you know, you may not be the best, but you keep going until the end, they're the ones who really win. That's so good. And so I'm assuming you would give that advice as well. Absolutely. As like such a, It's such a good advice. Don't give up when you're tired or you're exhausted. You just keep going. You know, even if it's small little steps, you just got to keep on going. It's true that it's symptomatic of our generation that we just want a quick fix on things. And we're just like, yeah. I don't like my job. I'm going so I'm I'm to quit, quit and I'm going to find something else. And then I'll quit this and I'll do something else because... You know, it's especially with social media, it's so easy to paint the perfect picture of the perfect life with the perfect job, the perfect partner, the perfect car. But it's not all overnight. I mean, you can win the lottery. That can happen (laughs) overnight. But, I mean, what are your chances of that? So it's just riding the wave. And all it takes is whether, you know, if you've got a friend starting a business, it's, it's just that little bit of support that you give them or it's that little bit of hey sending the text message hey i'm thinking of you You guys are doing a great job your business is amazing keep going yeah you know you don't know how much that can affect someone you can relight their fire when it's just about to go out so it's supporting your friends supporting great businesses you've been saying that a lot of stuff has been happening like people reaching out to you to get Mm -hmm. commentary or are you making big realizations in the last year why would you say that the last year has been so important that's a really good question I don't know, to be honest. It could be because I've really I've really found my groove. I've really found what I'm passionate about and I've really found my voice. I think it's, as most people when they become vegan, can be quite preachy in your face and, you know, this, this, this. And that was me. <laughs> that was me for a long time. But 
I think now I've kind of taken a back seat and gone, you know, this is my passion. I'm going to help people where I can. If it doesn't resonate with you now, it might later. But I think because I found my voice that it's all, it's all kind of changed. Yeah, it's like you found where to yeah. place yourself. Are you ever considering uh, taking like a business partner on or are you happy to just be driving this by yourself? I'm happy driving this by myself. I feel like if I had my time again, I would start with a business partner. Um, however, I'm just not sure that I then would have been able to have the right person. And now, especially being a few years in, the vision's very clear. Trying to find the same person, the person, sorry, on that same kind of path as me. And it's not because I'm a control freak or anything. <laughs> I may be, but I'm not saying this because I'm a control freak. I'm saying this because, as I said, the vision's very clear. And I think I would onboard people to support my vision rather than be next to me driving the vision, if that makes sense. I want to ask you a little bit about your personal life, which you said out before the interview <laughs> that that was okay, but it's just from a, a, an interesting perspective because mm-hmm. I'm not Australian, okay. so I don't necessarily understand or like I don't have much of a closeness to the Australian Football League or like um, I know that your sister no, and I know that yeah. your sister is like married to a very famous cricketer mm-hmm. evolving within those circles yeah. of like the sports industry which I would perceive it to be quite a meat-centric industry mm-hmm. for on a personal level yeah. how is that just your personal experience to just kind of, I think you went to like an awards ceremony yeah. were you wearing all vegan products like how hard was that yeah. difficult it's just more like your personal insight into that world From the outside, that world can be seen as so different to what it is. And it's not a bad thing at all. That world is is what it is. And I think if you go in with a strong view and you're not prepared to compromise your beliefs for any kind of world, whether it be in the sports world or any other world, then you'll always be looked after. Um, I did go to a lot of events and I always made sure that There was no silk in my dress. There was no leather on my shoes. My clutch or my handbag was always vegan because for me, fashion is my voice. And there was no way I was going to attend any of these, these glamorous things and then look back and go, I totally went against what I believed yeah. because it's just not worth it for me. And I think in any aspect of life, whether it's that or whether it's your job or anything, if you start going against what you believe no one is going to believe what you believe. Because if you don't, then who else will? So that for me was always a big thing. And did you meet quite a bit of pushback even? Oh. Or, or were people very... Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> for me, the way I ate, like my vegan plate, I will call it, was really hard at the start because it was it's such a foreign world in that world to be vegan. And there were some times where I, I, would, I would go to places for dinner and just have a salad. And I'm not a salad girl by any means. <laughs> But you make do. And you're there to, in every circle, you're there to kind of not preach but educate. People are going to naturally ask you questions. And I feel like it was a great experience to be able to bring my world into theirs. You know? Yeah. Um, fashion, no, that's not an issue because it was really male dominated so oh, yeah. my fashion was my fashion no one really got a say in it but the food I must say was hard at the start but then it, it kind of you know people got a hang of it 
I'm just wondering, like, were people thinking that you were eating this way because of your outwardly appearance? Did you get any questions around that? Is it just like, or jokes, or like stupid jokes about, oh, you're eating vegan because you want to stay like thin or whatever? Or um, I just feel like that's just an yeah. outside perspective of male-dominated industries yeah. for me, that it's just like it totally. could be judgmental and people just like, oh, yeah, she's vegan. It's clearly because she thinks she like, yeah. you know, so she stays skinny or thin yeah. or whatever. Or. I never really got that at okay. all, to oh, be honest. Oh, that's so good. Okay, um, right. Everyone was very respectful. But I also think it's because I stuck by my beliefs. Yeah. And if people kind of gave me grief, it was, you know, it was water under the bridge. I'm going to come back and I'm going to bring my tofu back next time as well yeah. because that's what I believe in. And and I think when you are so passionate about something and and people can see that, they don't fuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> If, you, if they know you're passionate about something and then you're kind of questioning it and then you're kind of eating meat but then kind of not, they're going to go, this person's a mess. She has no idea, you know, she's not even a vegan. So yeah. as I said, in everyday kind of life, if you stick to what you believe in, no one, no one will give you grief. That's true. I think anyway. <laughs> and that was Linda Wetterlake, founder of the Australian online retailer, nina.com.au that's nina n-e-e-n-a dot com dot a-u i personally resonated with a lot of the advice that linda gave but most especially with making peace with the fact that you might not be the absolute best at what you do but if you keep going and you don't give up you will create your place and you will thrive If you liked this episode, please make sure to subscribe to our show, rate us, leave us a comment if you're listening with iTunes, and as always, tell all of your vegan friends. For any comments or suggestions, including potential guests, both in Australia and abroad, please feel free to email us at hello at veganwomencollective.com. Also, don't forget, if you're interested in attending our vegan nutrition workshop, which is happening on Saturday, June 1st, uh, and you want to take advantage of the two-for-one ticket deal, that's only running until Sunday, May 19th. So get on it quick if you don't want to miss out. The Vegan Women Collective podcast is recorded, mixed, and produced by myself, Rachel LaMarche. I thank you again for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Cheers! Cheers!